I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. I've been making a living doing what I love doing since I was eight years old, and I started a magic show birthday party business complete with my own little CRM system, which was our customers and a little recipe box. But the most important thing I had was I didn't do it alone. I had a neighbor, my neighbor PG, and PG was absolutely instrumental in be making my business successful. And I realized that what I learned when I was eight years old was the foundation of everything that I do today. And I have her on the call. It's PG from Philadelphia. Hi, PG. Hi, Judy. I'm actually Pam Pamela Gail Rogo. That's the PG part. Pamela Gail. Okay. So you're Pam Rogo. So right. how many people call you PG? I'm just curious. Uh, maybe 10 on the earth, the family of origin <laughs> and Judy Carter. <laughs> and okay, so you were a lot older than I was, right? And still are actually. If I that's what you, if, well, if that's what you call nine and a half, okay. Okay, so you were like, <laughs> you were a half a year older than me. Um, but back then it seemed like it was huge. She's so mature and old and, and, I, I thought of inviting you on this podcast because you have the ability, the extraordinary ability of taking uh, a passion of yours and turning it into a business and monetizing it. And I know that everybody listening to this, a lot of the people on this uh, podcast are comics writers, people who do rather ethereal things, and they're not sure how to monetize them or how to quit their day job. And so you had such an obscure thing that you recently monetized, right? What, tell everybody what it is. Well, now, nowadays, last few years in Philadelphia, I have the WPM typewriter shop and WPM words per minute. Uh, and, and now that we have the pandemic, it's also the garden of typewriters. So we're outdoors. Um, so you during... combine two passions of yours. You have this gorgeous garden. You love gardening. And you have an obsession for typewriters, right? Well, it doesn't feel like an obsession. It feels normal. <laughs> how, many, how many typewriters at one point? What's the largest amount of typewriters you've had at any given point? Oh, quite a few hundred. We still have them. Okay, and it's not an obsession? <laughs> no. <laughs> now, people listening might go, um, does she know about computers? Because to some people listening, it might be like, um, yeah, I'm in the Betamax business. You know, I'm, I mean, typewriters have become totally obsolete, and yet you've turned your passion for typewriters into a certain purpose. So tell me about that purpose. Like what does a typewriter mean to you and how does okay. it reflect your, your point of view? I actually have a rant about this because I quite believe in this. I originally helped somebody to 
uh, rebuild his business as a typewriter repairman and kind of resurrect his past. And I ended up finding out more about typewriters and thinking about why they were so important and realizing that late in my career, because I come out of museum exhibit design, late in that career, as I began relying on a computer, my writing skills fell off. And at the time, I hadn't thought about why, but I began to think about it more recently. If you use a typewriter, you have to make a real commitment about what you write. Every word is immediately tangible, not deletable, really. You don't rely on a machine for memory. You don't expect or get rewarded for being interrupted. And you are habituated to do your best, something that should not be underestimated. That's the short version of my rant. <laughs> You know, that, that's interesting because when you were here visiting Los Angeles, you live in Philadelphia now, and it's called WPM Typewriter, and I'm going to put it in the description if people want to get in touch with you. You um, gave me as a gift a typewriter. I think it, is it a Smith Corona or a... Uh... An electric Smith Corona, early vintage, one of the earliest. Well, I was, I, I plugged it in. First of all, I couldn't believe you were schlepping it around because it weighs, <laughs> how much does it weigh, PG? I probably 22 pounds, probably. It's, it's really <laughs> heavy, right? <laughs> and you well, schlepped it. It was, it was such a great gift. And I put it in, I put in a piece of paper and the most amazing thing happens. It almost makes me want to cry when I talk about it is you know, because I grew up um, learning how to type on typewriters and just all the mechanics and the sounds that it made. It's very percussive and it's very, the percussion is rewarding and the evenness that you type, you don't, a computer, you can type very unevenly, you know, rat, tat, 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 and it compensates for that. But on a typewriter, you really try to type more like a trotting horse or a metronome very evenly. And that becomes calming. Yes. And even before I typed, just putting in the paper, turning those knobs, that little guider, flipping it down and the little springs go, you know, and, um, and then when I started to type, it became not, you know, when I do emails and stuff, I'm always making mistakes, sending them off, but I don't care. I just, I'm, I'm very reckless and I just, right and then oh my spell check fixes it but this made me pause and go well what do i what do i want to type and it did something with my with my brain right no i think it's actually neurological the pathways get reinforced that that cultivate concentration and critical thinking and frankly even empathy as well um, wow. I know coming out of museum exhibit design and administration, I thought a lot about learning how people learn. And that's really why I'm so committed to typewriters. Well, it's fascinating. And I look forward to writing. When I'm on the computer, it's something ordinary I do all the friggin' time. But I started to look forward to typing and then I started to use it to do stream of consciousness because I was worried about making mistakes and I didn't have any of that liquid white. We remember liquids because anytime you made a mistake, you had to, you know. Well, there, there are a couple of ways to, to correct your mistakes, but it requires a commitment. It's not so easy to, you know, depending on which typewriter 
and what technique you use to change your mind, so to speak, or how many drafts you're willing to write. I mean, usually I would make a deal with myself. I'm willing to do three drafts. I sure hope I don't have to do four, and I am not doing five. So I'm, <laughs> concentra I'm concentrating. Yes, it's, it, it really laser focuses your brain to concentrate. Now, so here you are, and you find yourself with hundreds of typewriters because you have this draw to it, this obsession. It's, it's not really your line of work, and you've, you resurrect, you find a guy to, who knows how to service them. Well, then tell me about what happened with monetizing them, and what do typewriters and gardens have to do with each other? Oh, let's see. That's a couple of questions. I'll start with the gardens because it makes me so happy. <laughs> um, we have a fabulous garden here. Some dear friends who really know garden styling and so forth has, have helped me in the past few years to turn it into something so special that last year I opened it up for the community to use. I'm in the heart of a remarkable neighborhood called Mount Airy in Philadelphia. And people could drop in as long as they did not bring internet or dogs, but they could bring lunch and friends. But this year, it's the opposite. I have flipped the model entirely. And instead of wanting this and helping this neighborhood and this intersection here at the epicenter of Mount Airy to be a destination, I really don't want people to hang out here and touch things and gather. It doesn't feel quite safe. But my garden is an oasis. So instead of having people inside the building, people now make appointments. We talk about what kind of typewriter was best for their use? I mean, are they a poet? Is it a gift? Is it for a child? Is it for homeschooling? Do you have writer's block? Those kinds of things. Uh, price points, we talk about that. Then I lay, lay out an array of typewriters, 15 or 20 maybe, and they come and try them after cleaning their hands at the door. I mean, at the gate, garden gate, and that's how I did that. But that duty is only summer and, and early fall. I'm in Philadelphia and I'm thinking, what am I going to do for winter? I didn't right, tell no, you I just want to say that for those of you who are listening in the future, where we have found a vaccine, right now we are in the middle of the COVID uh, pandemic, and we're not allowing people in our houses. So, Right. Uh, you, you, yeah. I should make that clear. I, did, I thought I have a super charming uh, shop, but I decided that I was going to be uh, unusually firm about nobody coming inside. And, so, and, and let's be fair to say your shop is in your home, which is a multi-level home. And it's also zoned for retail. It's commercial, right? a commercially zoned building that used to be a bakery. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So go ahead. So, um, so the, I still have, it's, it's delightful. And last year we won a blue ribbon from the uh, Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. And it has all of these whimsical elements like a bird bath that is a bird, I'm sorry, a Talavera tile bird bath and birdhouse village and a tree of baskets that are mossy and botanical art wall installations. And um, it's, it's really quite fabulously fun. Um, and, and coming out of museum exhibit design and collaborating with uh, some friends in the design field made it more fun. Um, but what was I going to do for winter? I haven't told you this. I don't think I oh, have this great. What is your for this? Peachy's always what? come coming up, and we have to get to how we we formed a highly successful magic show business. <laughs> I got to get to that. So, so what happened? Uh, what's what's your what's your your I idea what for, I winter? for winter? I don't want people in the building, and what, and one of 
our typewriter mechanic says, well, what if I do it in winter? What if I run the shop? I said, you can, but I'm hoping to talk you out of it. I really don't think people should come inside, but then what? So here's what, Judy. We're gonna have the world's first typewriter takeout. <laughs> I, I love the uh, alliteration as well. Right, right? typewriter so takeout. I have this really charming window at the back of the building with really um, vintage uh, shutters on either side. We can, we're gonna sort of convert it to be a little bit more uh, with signage and stuff. Uh, it's like two steps up from curbside service. Talk to us in advance so we really can make a recommendation. Uh, local people are doing a little bit of renting, which is kind of interesting, too. Well, here's what I love and why I wanted you on the Power of Purpose podcast, is that you've taken something you're passionate about, that's your purpose, that anybody would say, um, you know, we all thought you were crazy. I'll just tell you that right now. Hey, and, hey. And, and, <laughs> and what... What you've done is really have given a gift to the neighborhood. Um, no, region. It's not the neighborhood. It's actually the region. The region. People, well, half, yes. half my customers drive in for the day. So you have created an experience for people and it's connected you in this time where a lot of people are lonely and isolated and it's really given you a purpose and, and a connection to other people. And, you know, I just want to uh, say that I... She got, PG got this article of, where was it? It was in a newspaper where they did an entire article about your typewriter garden. People. Oh I, yeah. There'll be others. I'm sure. Yeah. No, okay. So let's go back PG to when now I'm 10 and you're 11 and mm -hmm. we have been doing magic shows on weekends and, and we're in Los Angeles and PG. And nobody else was doing this in those years. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't, we were like one of the first and we were getting repeat business every year. People want back and each year we'd go, let's add something else. Well, guess what? We now have an accordion and we've added the hokey pokey along with the magic show. So we had upsell. And here we are 10, 10 years old. Do you want to, it's like, do you want fries with that? Do you want accordion with that? So we were quite entrepreneurial. Then PG. Do you has, want to give this card to your mother and take it home boys and girls? And then your mother can call and we'll come to your party. Oh, we had a sales pitch at the end of the magic show where we did a special birthday party um, a special birthday party and trick. Oh, we're going to put a hole in your head and pour milk in it. Don't you want <laughs> Majika the magician to do that at your birthday? Everybody take this card, put it in your shoes so you don't lose it. And let's practice what we're going to say to your mother. <laughs> right? So we were, we were like out there selling at 10 and 11. Then PG goes, you know, Judy. But we also, need Judy, you were actually good at what you did and you unbelievably cared for an 11 year old or 10 year old, your nervousness, your, your desire to be perfect in how you did it, you're pretty damn committed. Yes, I was, what was my whole purpose? Magic was my purpose in life and I and, uh, committed. So PG goes, well, I think we need to expand to foreign places like Tarzana. And how are we gonna do this? We need publicity. PG and I decided that we would do an event in our backyard and then we got the alliteration, a backyard benefit. We knew about alliterations right then and how they were <laughs> a really good sales phrase, a backyard benefit. 
And then I had a speech impediment at the time and I had to practice words so I wouldn't stutter over them or mispronounce them. So PG wrote a sales pitch for me and, and I'd practice it over and over again. And then I would have the guts to call. I go, hello, LA Times. I'm Judy Carter, a child magician. No, girl magician. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. a girl magician, 10 years old. And me and my chum, PG, are having a backyard benefit for Cedar sinai Well, well. Cedar sinai Hospital. Yes. Know, right. And, and, and they, they, um, they came the day before. Um, the, um, I'll never forget the entire neighborhood came to the living room. We recreated, you know, in, in my, it was a rehearsal. They, they photographed the rehearsal, the rehearsal. And, uh, they showed PG and, and, and the title was girl magician 10 and chum have good deed up sleeve. That was the, that was the LA times article. And it was across the entire top of the fold, all photographs, three photographs of four us. Four PG. In our it was four. It was four oh, photographs. Four. <laughs> and then the day of it, the uh, other newspaper that no longer exists, the Herald Examiner, the Herald Examiner. Mm -hmm. came, and but they saw the article had come out, and then they left. And boy, we raised all this. No, money. it was worse than that. It was worse than that. They came, and I opened up my big mouth, and I said, "The LA Times was here yesterday." They said they were. And they turned around and left. Yeah, and that was my that was my first lesson in in media management. It's like don't say something unless you know what result is going to come out of it. Like, why did I tell her that? So, Peachy is Peachy. You have a knack, and you've always had this of taking something that's not necessarily newsworthy, and finding that hook, um, finding that thing that makes other people interested and you took something that other people throw out no longer use and you reignited a passion for it where people are driving as far away uh, how far do people come to philadelphia um, to your they tr they do truly come from washington baltimore and delaware um oh, fairly frequently states. yeah wow. yeah um about half the customers even, yeah. And they come for, with repairs and they come with typewriters to buy. But it makes sense, Judy, the typewriter is the last, it's already 60 years old, right? It's gonna probably last another 60. And this is a machine with myriad parts and warranted, calibrated in fabulous condition and you get to express yourself clearly and even get, as, as, uh, as my son said, no mom, you're right. If you send somebody a thank you note on a typewriter, they respond to your thank you note because the intention is built into the process and very, very easy to perceive. And, and, and I've started to do that, just to type thank you notes, birthday cards, and put them in the mail. Of course, then we know for sure they're not going to get there. Uh, <laughs> now we get that. Yeah, PG, thank nice. you so much for taking the t time away from your um, touch typing <laughs> on a typewriter <laughs> uh, to do because it's, I, I was really thinking about this because I know a lot of the listeners who are creative people and really having yeah. a hard time, you know, um, getting publicity, um, getting clients, customers, people interested in what they're doing mm -hmm. and 
it's just extraordinary to see and feel your passion and your thoughtfulness of it and and how you were able to put that into the marketplace just that's so nice thank you just truly amazing and i just want to give also a shout out to all my listeners thank you for all the five star reviews i love that you are getting value from this podcast so i always like to leave my listeners pg with with just a little bit a tip a tip on whatever they're doing how they can get attention they could market they can sell things um any any kind of tip that you have or uh, action steps that they should do? Ouch. Um, well, I wasn't expected to be answering that question. From a typewriter point of view, if you have writer's block, it's a lovely tool to sort of give you an alternative mode of expression. Um, that moves a lot. Poets love it because it just, it, it's, it beckons you in a really nice way. But I'm not sure that's exactly answering your question. I think I know what the answer is from listening to you, though. I think when, when I listen to you and I look at the depths of the thought that you've put into the why of what you do, mm-hmm. you know, you are not just going, I'm selling typewriters. I'm selling a writer's block eliminator. I'm selling a way to be creative. I'm selling a way to be thoughtful. I'm creating a way to feel good actually, about what you write. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm fostering those things which happens to require selling. Yes, you're fostering those things. And so I suggest to you is to really look at what you are trying to pitch, what you're trying to sell. So many of us come from a narcissistic point of view. This is really good. I did it, (laughs) you know? Uh, And rather than going, what, what is the gift that you truly are giving to other people? And that is the real definition of purpose, because we've always said that purpose is a gift you give to others. And can you put that into words? For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to the Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's the message of you.com.